lane, 15-10, touchdown Chargers! What's up guys, we are back with a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly, presented by Microsoft Surface, as always joined by Matt Money-Smith. Money, I got my Surface here. Uh, a lot of information <laughs> from the Patriots game uh, and prepping for uh, the Denver Broncos. And Listen, don't you try to one-up me. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Let's see Got it. Got it. was just using it a little bit earlier, as a matter of fact. Uh, this is where I watch all the film, which I just watched every single snap of the Broncos-Texans game and every snap of the Chargers-Patriots game. I usually go back two games. So truly, like, just finished watching the Chargers defense versus the Patriots offense two minutes ago on that thing. Um, and yeah, we'll get into it, but love it. Um, can't recommend it enough. I, you know, I've, I've said it for years. I've had that thing for, I don't know, four or five years now. Absolutely yeah. love the thing. Yeah. Same. Uh, and we appreciate you guys sponsoring us yes. all season long here on Chargers weekly. Uh, buddy, I, I saw you put up on your story, uh, the ride into new England. And I feel <laughs> yeah. like that that's the perfect setup for, playing a game there it's like the most uninviting place to play for an opponent um the fact that the chargers could play a 41 38 game in the same season as a six to nothing game where i don't think either mm -hmm. team got into the red zone is remarkable but but an afc win on the road you will take it any way you can get it yeah it just continues the theme that we we've talked about regularly and that is the Chargers allow their opponent to dictate terms. Now, that, that's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is they are comfortable with game plans that are applicable to that particular week's matchup. They, they don't just play one way. It's, okay, we believe in our defense. We believe in our special teams. It's wet. I mean, it, it rained from the second the ball was kicked off until the second the final whistle blew. I was going to ask you, the, hey, the conditions, because Keenan said Terrible. something like, hey, it didn't it didn't affect us that much, but it, it looked like it was coming down pretty good. Oh, it definitely affected him. I think that's Keenan just not making excuses. You yeah. know, he's a pro. He's not going to to make excuses. It was coming down in sheets. So 10 degrees colder would have been better because you wouldn't have had just the wet. Uh, you know, it would have been colder, but it would have been snow, and it probably would have been a little bit easier. I think you saw that with a lot of the drop passes. Uh, now, you can go back two weeks and you still have issues with drop passes against Baltimore and, and Green Bay. And that is something they got to figure out. Otherwise, they would have had two red zone possessions, but a just flat out drop by Q and a flat out drop by Parham prevented that from happening. So Parham's would have been a touchdown. You know, he is in stride. He's got three steps on his defender. That thing hits him right in the hands between the numbers. And it was just a straight drop. And it's been a bit of an issue now for Parham, you know really this season he's for whatever reason he was always sure-handed and it's just kind of left him but you know when you've done it before you know it's in there so you just got to figure out what's going on and, and why he's dropping all these balls and because that's think about Green Bay that fourth down turnover on downs instead of extending into Green Bay territory and it's just become a bit of an issue for for Parham um Q we know we don't have to belabor that you know but that would have been a first and 10 from the 12 so Justin's um, receivers are letting him down. That's just the, and they tell you the same thing. He's making the throws. He's standing tall in the pocket. He didn't take any sacks. They had barely any penalties. They played a clean game and he didn't turn the ball over. And if you want to, you know, really the, the, the way this thing was six, nothing instead of what I think very well could have been 17 or 20 to nothing is because of the drops. Um, yeah. So I, I just don't, 
I wish they would impose their will on somebody else. I, I wish there was a way, and I don't know what that way is, because I think this is their approach. Okay, this is the type of game it's going to be, and this is how we're going to play, and this is what we think is our best chance to win. And I just feel like just kind of keep the door open for some of these teams on that on that front. Yeah, I, I want to talk about the defense because I know Bailey Zappi was under center, and you know it, it's not he was terrible Patrick Mahomes, but it's a shutout's a shutout in the NFL. Offensively, yeah. though, money when you're in December, um, look at all these teams from Philly to even Kansas City in the Super Bowl, um, uh, San Francisco. They can all run the football. Miami can run the football. And when you're playing December ball and you're trying to get into the postseason, um, you have to pack a running game. Like you're going to have to rely on the running game at some point to win you a game. And this has been a problem all season. You know, take week one out of the equation and a big run by Joshua Kelly in Kansas City. For the most part, this running game has been stagnant. And I, I ask you, what's the most culpable part of this is it the running backs is it the way the offensive line is run blocking is it the lack of weapons on the outside outside of Keenan with all these guys down that you know they know that Keenan is the number one guy that's going to beat them and there really isn't a clear-cut number two Uh, I'm just trying to figure out where we kind of diagnose this issue because it's a big issue Uh, you're seeing Denver, who's coming in this weekend, you know, Javante Williams, they're relying on him to run the football and chew clock. Um, Austin, I don't know if Austin's still hurt, uh, but 14 for 18. Joshua Kelly, 6 for 16, averaging 1.2 yards a carry last week against the Patriots. Not going to get it done. Yeah, I think the answer, you know, to your question is yes. It's all of those things. Yes. So I I actually ended up watching every single run snap twice. Just, well, I shouldn't say twice, but I just spent a lot of time on it because I'm trying, because it's just such a glaring number, right? You know, 17 for 18 and six for 18, you know, 1.2 per carry. So what went wrong? Everything went wrong. Um, But if you were to ask me where I start, it's tight ends. It's the the tight ends just can't block. They, they, They are getting blown off their blocks. At least that was the case in the New England game. Gerald Everett and Donald Parham got absolutely washed out on every single run snap. And um, a couple of the runs, I thought on one of the runs, I thought Austin had an opportunity. He chose chose the wrong, you know, chose the wrong gap. Uh, there was a cutback. It was wide. And look, I, I say these things not like, hey, you screwed up. That's not what I'm saying. I, I get it. It's, you know, yeah. you're trying, you're, you're in the middle. These things happen in a split second. It, you don't always pick right. But so one, they, it looked like, you know, he's, he's got to read the, the, the gaps and figure out which one he wants to pay. And he just kind of hit the second gap he read instead of coming back one more. And it looked like that thing was opened up for him. Um, on some of them, on quite a few of them, the offensive line's just losing they're getting pushed back instead of pushing forward. Um, there was one where it just kind of developed a little too quickly. Slater couldn't get out to the edge. He was kind of pulling out wide and never, the whole line was shifting. He just couldn't quite get out there to seal that block. Um, so, but, but I think for me, what really, really stood out was just how badly Everett and Parham got beaten in the run game. It seemed to be on almost every single run play. It was their guy that was making the play and was just in the backfield or in the fit, you know, was fitting right away. And, um, and that's something we've talked about, you know, we talked about it before the season started, 
McKitty was, was supposed you know, to be that. We have a blocking tight end. end. He's not there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just kind of like we knew these. We knew that these tight ends are not blocking tight ends. They're really good. Gerald is a really good receiving tight end. He's just not a blocking tight end. They don't have one. Um, and so, you know, when that's the case, and look, not everybody needs it. You know, the, the right side just is not working. You know, Jamari and, and Trey, that's an issue. Whenever you run to that side, there's a, there's a little bit more success left. But um, I think to, to the point you were making, the, the, the boxes are stacked. They Even though it's Justin Herbert, they're not afraid of Jalen Guyton, nor are they afraid of Quentin Johnson. Those guys are in one-on-one coverage. They're brack, You know, the, the Patriots bracketed Keenan the entire game. He had two helmets on him the entire game. So I think you're going to continue to see that. And that's why, you know, hearing as we do this on Thursday, hearing yesterday that Josh Palmer's windows open, man, if he could play, that's going to go a long way because they need him bad. And, you know, I we keep saying it as I as I continue to just kind of ramble here. But, you know, just I don't I don't know why Alex Erickson isn't getting more snaps. He's just there's I, I don't get it. The guy catches. He's got sure hands, made the play of the game. Uh, you know, on that third down, and, and I, I tip my cap to to Coach Staley and to Kellen Moore for just saying, "Hey, we got Justin Herbert. I don't need to run forty more seconds off the clock." You know, I, it doesn't matter to me if the Patriots have a minute twenty yeah. or if they have fifty seconds. And the let's game. just end this right now. We've got Justin Herbert. Let's go end it. And and man, Erickson beat his man like a drum. He beat Brian like a drum off the snap. He got inside leverage and he pulled away and. It's pouring rain and Herbert throws him a laser and he, you know, downfield 20 yards, he secures it and that's the game. And to me, I just got to catch the ball and Alex Erickson catches the ball and Herbert. So think about it, right? That's the game. That's, that's like, Hey, you complete this pass, you win the game. Where's Herbert go? Goes to Alex Erickson. So clearly there's trust there, which leads me to say, put him out there. Let's get some more snaps. Maybe we see more of him on Sunday. And I hope so. When Mike Williams goes down, obviously it was crushing. But when crushing. Joshua Palmer goes down on top of that, that's when you're really kind of playing with one hand tied behind your back with yeah. Keenan and, you know, with Quentin struggles and, you know, these guys just dropping balls. Um, I, I don't know if Austin is 100%. You know, I, obviously, you know, there's the injury report and then there's just the wear and tear of the season. Um, I, I still – don't know why we're not seeing Isaiah Spiller when the running 100%, game is just don't anemic. Get it. I, yeah. I, you know, why? Like, I, I get trying to earn it during practice, but like, how much he really hitting as a running back in practice? We, I saw enough in preseason to say, give this guy. He has twelve carries this year, buddy. Twelve yeah. carries over. Um, what are they? Five? Twelve games. He's averaging one carry a game. <laughs> you know, he's been active right. for five games, and I thought I saw enough at Texas A and M, coupled with preseason this year to say at least give him a shot right because it can't get any worse than what it's been at this point or you know what chris or cut him or cut right? him yeah like that's you know they cut elijah dotson so you know cut him if, if it, it's taking up a space on your roster what is the point you know what is the point of having him on the active roster if you're going to make him inactive every single game day and you're not going to give him an opportunity. Like, that's the whole thing. Like, we don't know what's going on in practice. We don't know if there's yeah, a situation that. with him, you know, behaviorally, if there's something there. Like, there's got to be something. 
because it does not make sense to carry this guy on the 53 when you're going to make him an active every week. And if, when he is active, he gets no touches. He's not a special teams player. So what are we doing? You know, his get former rid of it. teammate money, his former teammate, a Chan as a rookie yeah. drafted, I believe in the same round looked like the best running back in football because he got on yeah. the field for a little bit. And yeah. I'm not saying that Spiller's a Chan. I'm not saying that, but I, I saw enough at Texas A&M to know that, Hey, they drafted him in the fourth round for a reason. And you can get running backs late who can be very, very productive for you. And I just don't know if 12 carries throughout 12 games is enough to make a determination on a second-year player who didn't play right. at all last year. Give him a well, shot again, I, because what I, what, what yeah. do you got to lose? I th- that's why I keep saying, Chris, there's got to be something. There has yeah. to be something there. It just it's it doesn't make any sense. You know, you, you mentioned you know this last game. You know, six carries for 18 from Joshua. What was it for for Austin? 17 for 18. 14 for 18. 14 for 18. Why, why are they keeping him off the field? So I don't know if it's pass protection, if he's not picking up, you know, what they're asking him to do in practice. And it's like, hey, if you can't pass pro, you can't be out there. And maybe he's just, you know, he's not, he, he, maybe he can't play special teams. They, you know, that Coach Ficken doesn't trust him on special teams. And it's like, okay, so now we're down a body there. You've got to be, you know, so I'm with you. I, I just, because he's a big back. That's the thing is he's different from Austin. And, and look, Joshua's a bigger back than, than Austin, and they're both physically strong. But, like, Isaiah's a legitimately big back, you know, 215, 220. He's a bigger guy. And in, you would think he'd have value in those short yardage situations that they don't like to sneak Herbert, but they like to run. So I'm with but you. But to me – Really impressive runs in the preseason, Money. Like, that, yeah. I remember one, it was like a – Yeah, the one that got called back on the holding. On the holding, but then he had another 17 yard run, I think, against the Rams yeah. or, or uh, the Saints. I forget which team it was, but th- th- there was like two or three, like, wow, like, wow plays. Like, this is an NFL running back plays. And something yeah. that you mentioned a few weeks ago that, that I still am kind of puzzled by is just Austin Eckler in the passing game. Only three targets, two catches for nine yards. Um, it was it was before one of these must win games where you're like, hey, we, we got to get the ball in Austin's hands. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if, if it's not working running the football, um, get him in space because two for nine through the air for a guy like this. And we've seen he's, he's, he set chargers records. He set NFL records as an undrafted running back. Like that's another guy that you, you have to kind of lean on during a, a time when your offense is lean at, at these explosive yeah. positions. Yeah. I, again, it's, it's multifold, but you know, you go back to the, the Jacksonville playoff game last year and that's why they lost. You know, I had a, I did an interview with a, the Broncos radio station in, in Denver yesterday. And, you know, the, the, the host brought up was just kind of, he wasn't taking shots at Herbert, but he sort of was, you know, it was more like, Hey, are you at all concerned that all these close games aren't being won? You know, that, that you talk about Joe Burrow and how clutch he is and Justin and, and Jalen hurts, you know, two guys that were drafted in his draft class, you know, that win these close games, you know, how much of this, how much of the blame, does he, does he wear, you know, does he share in? And he then specifically brought up Jacksonville. He's like, you know, you're up 28, nothing, 27, nothing. And you lose a game that's got to stick to you as a quarterback. And I said, that's, I think that's fair. I said, but you also have to remember, you know, what the approach was in the second half. It's we're up 27 to seven. 
and we got to run the ball. I said, so they tried to run the ball and couldn't. And so now they're behind schedule and now there's three and outs and they continued to try to run the ball to, to play the, the game management, you know, manage the clock game and they couldn't. And that's going to bite you. You're, you're going to lose when you can't. You're going to lose games when you can't do that. You've got to keep the ball. Or the flip side of that is stop running. Just stop running the ball. Don't care. Yeah, I guess. Drop yeah. it. Let's go. Let's go. Texas Tech, Washington State, Mike Leach style. We'll run the ball three times. Just throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it. And you can throw it quick. You can have some RPOs. You can. There were a couple of those, by the way. There were a couple of RPOs that I thought Justin handed off where you could see the end was crashing and he should keep those. And, you know, those are where, you know, you could see the end crash. So keep it and take off. I thought there were two, maybe one or two of those. So it's. You know, it's just a confluence of issues as to why it's not working, but it's going to have to. You know, these last five games that you have to win them all, two against the Broncos, the Raiders, the Bills, and the Chiefs, you're going to have to run the ball at least in one of those games in order to win them. You, you cannot, or again, just don't run the ball. <laughs> I'll yeah, my answer guess, to it, I, just don't run the ball. I know, but knowing that you have to at some point, you know, like with Burrow, Burrow had Mixon in spots. You know, Lamar Jackson has uh, Gus Edwards. Best running game in the league. Yeah. Right? You know, Jalen Hurts, um, Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, the way that Shanahan runs the football in San Francisco. Like, I, you can be an elite quarterback, but also you have to have some help around you and you have to have some balance in your offense. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, what, I think what that's, happens. you know, you talk about you talk about the Eagles, Chris, and it's like, and I don't know if they just didn't know or, you know, sort of where they were at from an evaluation standpoint, but it's like, you know, just go get DeAndre Swift for a fifth round pick. Right. You know, that's what it costs. It's a fifth round. We talked about and, and the, I think we talked about Yeah. And the salary is nothing. So if you don't feel like, if you don't want to extend Austin because you, you know, and I think we've seen a decline there, you know, certainly from his peak. So if yeah. that's your concern and why you don't want to extend him, number one, number two, Josh Kelly's in his last year and three Isaiah Spiller's gotten no playing time. Like to me, that's it's fifth rounder. You know, the guy's got juice, go get him. So, and they tried it last year with Sony Michelle and it failed miserably. And, you know, it just seems like for whatever reason, they can't get it right. You know, we've been talking about this since Melvin Gordon and Austin were together and Melvin wasn't that effective, you know, and it was just like, we've been talking about this for years. Like yeah, for years, years. seven years. And, and like, you know, just pushing it forward to next year, however it goes, that needs to be an emphasis. Like, Certainly. we need to be physical in the trenches with our offensive line, and we need to pack a running game for this quarterback. Like, a, yeah. a legit running game that can win games in December and January. Because Justin Herbert is phenomenal, but he can't do it alone. They haven't won close games, and I think the running game was a big reason why. No doubt. Um, so... That's that's the no offense. Doubt. We got to give the defense some props, though. Hundred percent. Well, and special teams. We got we got to get to the positives of this game. Right. That's for sure. Start start with special teams. J.K. Scott, man, like phenomenal. When you have a weapon like that, the hang time that he provides, and the amount of times he had to punt um, and put that Patriots offense way way back, um, that won the game. Frankly, special teams was was certainly. You know, if you were to rank them, I would put as you know the defense pitched a shutout. Yes. But if you ask me to rank in order the units, yeah, special teams is one because yep. that offense is, does not have any explosive plays in it. 
So the fact that you're making them go 90 to 98 yards on every single drive to get a score is what helps your defense because now you have an opportunity to eventually get them off schedule. Sooner or later on a series, they just can't overcome their ineptitude. So that's and that starts with with the starting field position. So we talked to JK after the game, tells you what kind of game it was, that that's who we interviewed, the punter. That's the guy. Yeah. So, and and he talked about um, Josh Harris and how how he prepared them for this game. He's like, you know, Josh was pivotal to to this game. All week, all we practiced with was balls that were wet, nonstop, snap. He goes, for me, holding the field goals for Cameron Dicker, we did it over and over and over again. Balls that were soaking wet to make sure we had it, you know, a wet, heavy ball for Dicker to kick to make sure he knew what that was going to feel like and, and make sure that was right. And then for, for him, he's like, you know, the whole operation he's, and you forget about that. You know, you forget about the snap and, you know, for it to be a perfect snap every time, especially in those conditions, that thing's flying back there 15 yards, you know, and JK's got to get in his hands, spin it to where he wants it, drop it within a second and a half, two seconds and be able to get his full force into it. You know, he almost got one blocked and, and, and he was able to get that one off, you know, when they really pinned their ears back and came after it because they recognized there's nothing else we can do offensively. We're not making anything happen. So we got to try to figure something out special teams wise. And then on top of that, two field goals from Dicker made both, uh, you know, seven punts, every single one of them inside the 20, I think four of them inside the 10 or three of them inside the 10. I think they had negative six return yards. And on top of that, 34-yard punt return that sets up a field goal that now forces the Patriots to have to go the length of the field and score a touchdown in order to gain a lead as opposed to it being 3-0. So, you know, special teams really made the difference in that game. And it's amazing. You talk about how they have not packed a running game really since, since you know, really they've been here and, you know, since 2017. This was the worst special teams team for about three years in a row, you know, it, it was bad. Like they ranked 32nd in the league multiple years, uh, DVOA. They are now one, number one. And I think it speaks to what Tom Telesco believes in when drafting, especially, you know, making sure he gets guys that can play special teams. These young players, Dan Henley was exceptional and has been exceptional on special teams. Nick Neiman should be a pro bowler on special teams to spend money on, on Josh Harris to, to, to identify and sign JK and cam. And, and then on top of that, especially coach Ficken and, and what he's Dude. done and, and how well he has done with this unit to make it the best in the league. It's, it's impressive. We don't say coach Ficken's name enough on this podcast, you know, special teams coach, right. but what, what he's done to turn around that unit man in, in two years has been unbelievable. Remember he didn't come in with Staley. So, you know, Staley made the decision to bring him yeah. in. To in, move on in the from second Swinton. year of his uh, of his tenure as the head coach and um, instant instant success and uh, you know the production of Darius Day. I'm glad you mentioned Darius Davis too because he's been a weapon for this team. They, they had yeah. uh, a nice weapon in DeAndre Carter last year who also gave him some flexibility on offense and had a, he had a really good year. But but Darius has picked up and and, and literally ran with it and and, and it's been yeah. awesome. Um, what's it like to call a game like that for you and DJ? Like I said, you've called 41-38. Uh, you've right. called tons of games where there's nothing but touchdowns and 6 nothing in a rainy five. I said this – yeah, I said this at the end of the game, 
And as, as everyone was kind of laughing and, you know, we're joking in the hallway with Spiro and Arch about the game we're calling and what a mess it is. And I think I, I'm pretty sure I said it on the broadcast, um, but I've said it repeatedly since. I cannot count how many pretty losses I've called for this team, how many beautiful games that they have played that have ended in a loss. But I can tell you, I've maybe called three ugly wins. Maybe three. So I'll take it. I will take an ugly win. And they don't happen often. Pretty losses happen a lot. You know, a lot. They've, they've happened this year. You know, Detroit, pretty loss. Beautiful. Herbert ties the score at 38, you know, with, with three minutes to go. Yeah, they lose on a field goal. Game was beautiful. Miami, beautiful. Back and forth, trading punches offensively. Gorgeous game. You know, I'll take it. I'll take 6 nothing. Um, You know, and that then leads us to the defense and just yeah. how special of a season that certainly they can, you know, I hope they, I hope they can lift him up. I hope they can punch their ticket into the playoffs so Khalil Mack can win Defensive Player of the Year at 32 because I've got to believe – Ain't nobody that's ahead of him right now. Not with not with what he's doing. Not with leading the league in sacks, leading the league in forced fumbles, and leading the league in sack yards. And I think back to multiple times the the Patriots were knocking on the door. They're at the 30. They're at the 35. And here it comes. Big play. Tackle for loss. Sack. You know, and and the thing about the sack yards, he's averaging eight yards lost per sack. So think about that. It's third and ten. You know, you now make it third, fourth and 18. You can't go for it on fourth down. You're pulling them out of field goal range. And that has been the case with Khalil year, you know, uh, sack after sack after sack. He's got 100, I think it's 119. I want to say it's 119 yards lost on his sacks, on his 15 sacks. It's been really, wow. really impressive. And to do it without Joey Bosa on the other side, too, because yeah. you know th this this current tear that he's on, I think he has two sacks in each of his last three games, and yeah. Joey hasn't been a part of that. We obviously know about the six-sack game against the, the Raiders. Uh, the rookie, Tuli Tui Pelotu, to have him on the other side. The Chargers, you know, the, the jury's still out on Quentin. Tuli's going to be a, a franchise guy. I'm just going to say it now. I, I think yeah. Tuli's going to be a franchise guy for this team, and he's going to make an impact – on this franchise for the next decade. Um, so to have a rookie on the other side, um, it's a testament to the way Thule's played to allow Khalil to do what he's doing. And, you know, we, we've talked about the defensive struggles all year and, you know, they made adjustments a couple of weeks ago against the Ravens. And um, like I said, Bailey Zappi, uh, a lot to be desired with that Patriots offense. I thought Ramondre Stevenson leaving the game was a big boost big. To, the, to the, to the Chargers defense, but uh, you can't say enough about the year Khalil is having and, and kind of how he's helping this team, trying to will this team uh, into playing uh, meaningful yeah. football in December money. Yeah, you know, you started it, and I think I'll just pick it up when you mentioned Thule, and, and this is something I also said, and because I know CBS showed the graphic during the game of Quentin and, and how poorly he's performing compared to every other receiver that was drafted behind him and it, it's certainly a glaring issue that that we hope long term will be fine you can overcome it and, and continue to grow your, your, your career is not one year um, but if you want to ding the front office for that selection well you better give them their flowers for the next three because Thule is a steal he you know Will Anderson had a really good game against the Broncos but 
You know, Thule had the forced fumble and the fumble recovery. Thule's got pressures. Thule's helping, you know, he's helping Eric Kendricks. That that Eric Kendricks sack was a product of Thule. The, you know, the the Derwin James sack, they had two guys jump out to block Thule, which opened that lane for Derwin to come flying through. So it. it goes beyond just the numbers um, for for him. So that's your second round pick. Your third round pick, we already mentioned, core four special teams player, and I wish he'd be on the field for defensive snaps. I would love to see Deion Henley out there playing some linebacker. But he is, nice. and again, he made, I think, two tackles of those seven punts. Two of those big tackles were, I know two were Dean, Leonard, two, I believe, were Dan, though. So there's that one in the third round. Fourth round, obviously, your number one punt returner in the league, in the NFL. Not rookie, number one punt returner in the NFL that has the longest punt return for a touchdown, leads the league in punt return yards on average, and set up another field goal, you know, essentially one that put the game out of reach at 6 nothing. Um, so that's your two, three, and four. A draft is not the first round. A draft is a complete draft. And those three picks have really made an impact for for this team. So, you know, I think it's important to to keep that in mind, you know, when you're when you're assessing the the issues that that Quinton has had and, you know, the the disappointment there in 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 relation to other receivers in the league and their production thus far. Um the rest of the the, the next three picks have been exceptional. Um and and also you mentioned Khalil, you know, and, and you, you scratched it there, Chris, just how important he's been for Thule and, and what Thule has talked Huge. about, having him to bounce Huge. things off of as a mentor, someone that's helping coach up his game and, and develop his game in his rookie season. So his value goes beyond the box score and what he does on the field, considering there's no Joey Bosa and, and how effective – Thule's been, I think the other part of that too is that that we have to mention is how good the interior line has been. Nick Williams with a huge tackle for loss. You know, Morgan Fox has been effective again, you know, rushing the passer from the interior. Sebastian Joseph Day has the most sacks of his career rushing from the interior. So it's really been a, a collective that's that's helped to overcome this injury to to Joey. And, you know, hopefully he can get back before the end of the season. Hey, just going back to Darius Davis real quick. I'm, I'm just looking at yeah. a- a few of these games. So that game against the the Raiders early in the season, um, that was a, the game where Austin was out. Uh, he had a 51-yard yeah, run right. to, to open up the game to kind of set the tone yeah. for that game. Against the Jets, obviously, the, the touchdown. What he did last week, I mean, those are three of five wins that Darius Davis has had a direct yeah. impact on the game and winning the game. And this is your fourth round guy, another guy from TCU, coincidentally, you know, and I, right. I believe Darius had the best game of any TCU receiver in the national championship and that blowout uh, loss to Georgia. So yeah, uh, he's been huge. He's been huge. And, uh, you know, we always talk about during the off season where, you know, free agency, you don't quite know who the rookies are going to be yet. Um, but a rookie will make an impact on your team. Um, and it's just a matter of time before that kind of, uh, expresses itself throughout the season I think we're starting to see that with Henley a little bit more on special teams and I'm with you I, I would love to see him out there I know coach is very high on on Kendricks and what what Murray's doing right now but um finding a way to get number zero on the field uh during these last five games I think um especially from an evaluation perspective because I don't think there there, there would be much drop off if, if Henley was on the field on defense money yeah and, and I'm just looking at the the numbers with the the Broncos they are a very good 
uh, special teams unit. So, you know, if you're talking about a game that's going to be one on the margins, you know, I'm, I'm looking at their, now their, their gross and their net punting numbers aren't great, but that doesn't matter to me. It's, you know, more about, you know, punt return average. And so they are first in punt return average at 17.7. The Chargers are second at 16.6. They are sixth in return average against at six and a half. The Chargers are 10th. That's super misleading because it's one return. It's one 51-yard return that has skewed that stat. You take that out and they're probably first. But they're 10th at 7.2. So, you know, they're converting 93% of their field goals. The Chargers are converting 95% of their field goals. So special teams is going to be a battle. And that's it's two of the best, if not the two best units in the game going head-to-head you know, trying to, you know, provide that little bit of extra, you know, a little bit of extra push to get a victory. And it's going to be, it's going to be fun. As, yep. as stupid as that may sound, it's going to be fun to watch those particular units go after one another because they're two of the best in the game. Perfect segue into the Broncos. Let's take a quick break and we'll get into it. All right, guys, a big thank you to our partner, Microsoft Surface, the official sideline technology provider and laptop of the NFL and the Los Angeles Chargers that provides players and coaches with the tools to succeed both on and off the field. Check out the powerful Surface Pro 9, combining the power of a laptop with the flexibility of a tablet at Surface.com. VIP ticket packages for the first ever Super Bowl in Las Vegas are now on sale. And only On Location offers all-inclusive experiences worthy of the entertainment capital of the world. Ticket packages boast an array of offerings, such as premium seating to the game, epic pregame parties with headline talent, NFL legend appearances, premium drinks and fare, and much more. Visit NFLOnLocation.com or search NFL On Location today. Your football experience of a lifetime awaits only with On Location. Hey, Chargers fans, you want to eat? Uber Eats, now available for in-stadium pickup. Order all of your stadium favorites from your seat with the Uber Eats app. Just set your location to SoFi Stadium, select your favorites, and you'll receive a notification when your order is ready for pickup. There are many mouth-watering options in SoFi Stadium. Let the stadium rumble, not your stomach. Go Chargers. So, Money, the Chargers obviously need to sweep the Broncos to have any shot at the postseason. Haven't swept them since 2010. Uh, just to kind of set the table on this Broncos team, obviously started terrible. One in five, gave up 70 points to the Dolphins. Um, during that five-game winning streak, they were a plus 13 turnover differential, which is unheard of. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's just an insane stat that isn't sustainable. Uh, they lost 22-17 to the Texans last week. Uh, Russ had three picks. One was in the end zone at the end where, you know, they had a chance to win it and obviously go, go on a six-game winning streak. But – uh, we know about Sean Payton. We know about Joe Lombardi. Uh, this has always been a, a fierce rivalry, and I think it's ratcheted up a little bit knowing what's at stake for both teams. You know, the Chargers got to win out. You know, they got to win out. And the, the Broncos are darn near close to that as well. And I think you can see how resilient that Denver team is, having started one and five and, and now finding themselves at six and six. You know, that, that speaks a lot to the character of that team and, and the fight in that team. You know, watching watching the Houston game back, the the running game is good. Russell Wilson looks like Russell Wilson again. You know, he's, he does. 
yeah, he's a, he, he wants to push. I know a lot of people have kind of stuck him with that game manager tag because of what his overall numbers are, you know, what the passing yards per game are. The fact that, you know, there aren't a lot of interceptions prior to last week. I think it was 20 to four is what the, the TD to INT ratio was, you know, now it's 21, seven after the three. And he was a little careless with the football, but he's extending plays. He's using his legs. He's their second leading rusher. He's their leading rusher in yards per carry. Um, and he's pushing the ball downfield and he and Cortland Sutton got something special going. They, they are, they are, he's got the Cortland's got nine touchdowns and he's got explosive plays all over the field and that's going to be a headache. So you're going to want to, def- you're going to want your defense to be connected. It's going to be incredibly important. That pass rush has to get home. They've got to mind the edges. They cannot let Russell break contain because if he does, you've got capable receivers are going to be able to, to break free for some big gainers downfield so it's going to be going to have to be discipline and I think it's you know just don't don't let I I would it's crazy to say because they have a good running game with Javante Williams who's who's looks like he's starting to get back to himself after the injury looked like he really had that juice last week um, against Houston but I still think just if you can take away Cortland Sutton you know Russell is has been very focused on him so see if you can take that away and force them to beat you, you know, other, you know, f- with other pass catchers. Who do you put um, on Sutton money? I well, multiple people, you know, yeah. I think, I don't think you have a lockdown corner on this team. You know, it's, you just don't. So I right think now Dean Leonard is, he's in the, he's on the injury report. Sorry. He's on the injury report as we tape this, uh, yeah. I think with a heel. Um, so I don't know if he practiced on Wednesday or not, but yeah. Um, so Mikey would Michael be back Davis out there. Team. Yeah, you know, Mikey be back out there. Um, yeah, I think it's it's going to be a challenge. With the defense, it's funny with the defense. Like as I watch it, parts of it are really good. You know, Sertan is still exceptional, and teams are just staying away from him, so they're going to put Sertan on Keenan. You know, I'm I'm quite certain of that. That would be my assumption. But like they just take the ball away. That's what they've been doing. They've been creating turnovers. So you think about the drops. Those drops can turn into picks. You know, I think about Quentin bobbling that thing and it's boobling around in the air. And it's like that those turn into interceptions. Yeah. Like that's, that's what you got to be careful of. You know, the one that popped off of Keenan's chest and popped up into the air when he was being checked by JC Jackson, just didn't quite get his hands out far enough in front of like those can turn into interceptions against this team. They're very good tips, overthrows. They force a ton of fumbles. They're first in fumble recoveries with 12. So their fumble luck is incredible. Chargers, by the way, second. They got 10. So fumble luck, Baltimore game notwithstanding, has been incredible this year. So for me, like it's you have got to take care of the football because last week, notwithstanding for the the Broncos, they've taken care of the football. They do not give it away. So that's that's going to be a big part of it. Like that just, I think, speaks to how close these two teams appear to be out there. But oh, yeah. So I was saying, so like Chargers are 29th in yard in, in total defense. The Broncos are 31st. Now, look, there's a 70 point game in there that skews these numbers a little bit, yep. but they've played 13 games or, you know, they played 13 games. So they're, you know, they're, there are 12 games. I'm sorry. They played 12 games. Um, so yeah, you can overcome the 70 point game and get that number down. But no, they're, 31st in total offense, 31st in yards per play, 29th in points per game, 32nd against the run, 24th against the pass. They're they're a uh, you can get them. Like you can get them. 
now they've been better as of late. You know, when you go through the, the, the schedule and you think about, you know, they held Cleveland to 12, they held Minnesota to 20, they held Buffalo to 22, they held Kansas City to nine, they held Green Bay to 17 on that five-game win streak. So, you know, they lost by giving up 22. So they've definitely cleaned things up from earlier in the season, went over a, a three-week span. They gave up 132 points. So, you know, that's where the numbers get skewed a little bit. But I do think I do think there's plays to be made out there. We saw that from Houston in that game, that there are plays to be made out there, and, and you can trust that Justin's going to be able to make them. So we got to figure out who that's going to be, right? If, if we're just kind of reverse engineering this, we say, okay, Sertan's going to be on Keenan, right? We haven't really found out who the number two guy is. It could be anybody. Right. Maybe it's Gerald Everett. Um, you know, maybe Erickson gets more run, like you said. Uh, Jalen Guyton deep. Uh, I think the, the key is going to be Austin Eckler. And it's just finding ways to get him the football and, and hoping that he's ready to go. And then, you know, like you said, you can run on him. Yeah. Try to run. But who do you run well, with? You know, is it going to be more Joshua? Like, that's what, you know, Coach Staley said that, you know, there's going to be some competition. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means less for Austin, more for Joshua, or Isaiah comes in the mix too and we give him a run. So I think, you know, the interesting thing about the Houston game is we know, you know, they want to run the ball with, you know, with Singletary and Pierce came back and they only rushed for three yards per carry. They ran it 30 times for 89 yards. But Nico Collins tore them apart. Tore him apart. Nine catches, 191 yards in a tug. So, was, like I said, when did Tank Dow go out of that game, money? So, excuse me. When did Tank Dow left pretty early? Um, yeah. I don't even think he had a target. So, um, here. Yeah, he didn't even have a target. So, you know, Stroud throws for 274, a touchdown on uh, what, 16 to 27 passing. Explosive plays all over the field. Brevin Jordan goes three for 64. And then it just kind of falls out from there. But, you know, they found they found a Waldo. They attacked. And, you know, they got after it. So that's – and that's the thing about the Broncos, right? When, when you look at it, like, yes, Justin Simmons and Pat Sertan are, you know, the two of the best, if not the best free safety and the best corner in the league. You've got to contend with that. But then you look at Fabian Moreau, you know, and like – and that's what they did. They just – so you've got – an opportunity there up front. They're good at, you know, they're good at rushing the passer. I don't feel like they're exceptional at rushing the passer. So I think there's plays to be made out there. Offensively, there's a Waldo. His name's Mike McGlinchey. And man, he is leaky. He is. It's, and you saw that last week. They, and you've seen it every week for the Chargers. Like that's the one thing that they have been really, really good at coach Staley, coach Ansley, you know, Giff Smith, who coaches the defensive line, they find the Waldo. If it's on the interior, they find it. If it's on the edges at, at the tackle position, they find it and they exploit it. And, you know, they exploited it for six sacks against the Raiders and they exploited it last week. Both tackles were leaky, but, but Khalil really was able to use some speed against Trent Brown. And, and I think McGlinchey is, Garrett Bowles had a nice year, but you can get McGlinchey. You, you can get him. So I think that's what you're going to try to, to get after, you know, stay away from Sertan, make sure your receivers, whoever's opposite who's being covered by Monroe or, you know, by Monroe attack, attack there. And you know, I would please keep it away from Baron Browning. My gosh, guys, a yeah. nightmare whenever he plays the, the chargers, keep it away from him. 
he's a force. You know, Russ had a really good game against the Chargers in Week 18, and I think the the one touchdown that the Broncos had that Monday night game was the Dulcich wide open. Um, but Russ entered Denver thinking he was something he wasn't, and Sean Payton has brought him back down to earth. He's playing, I think, largely how he played in Seattle, um, where you know, for the most part, mistake free. Um, not a game manager, but but knows when to make the right it's similar. decision, right? Yeah, similar. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, he's pushing the ball downfield. He's extending plays. He's doing his pirouettes. He's running the ball. You know, he's he's back to doing all those things. I do think, Chris, and look, I don't like Sean Payton. I just put it out there. I'm just not a fan. I, I don't like the way he handled the when he's at Fox and he's got people because I know he's got people. I know I've worked with him. I know some of his people in the media you know, that are, that are breaking, you know, not breaking news, but sharing stories about how much coach loves living in Southern California, but he'd love to get back into coaching. It's like, yeah, we can connect those dots. You idiot. We know what you're saying. Hey, chargers fire Brandon Staley. I want to coach the chargers and it's lame. And I hope Brandon sticks it up there, you know, in both of these games. Uh, I really do because it's, it's not cool. Uh, That is not the way you operate when you're a head coach in this league. And there's only 32 of these jobs and you know how tough it is to win week in and week out. So, you know, I'd like nothing more than to, to truly have him humiliated. I'll be honest. I just, I do not like him. Um, on top of that, the stuff he said about Nate Hackett, not cool, no need to do that. Um, which is why I was so ecstatic that they started out one and five and had hoped they would finish one and 16, but you got to give him his credit. He was able to keep them focused, keep them believing. He got them back onto his path. He's a good coach. I'm not going to argue that. However, and I bring that up because I, I want to make sure I say this. I'm not saying this because I'm not a head coach in the league, but I think you see the Jets and you see what the Broncos were last year. It's clear that Nate Hackett has got issues calling offense. Clearly, he has got That's serious yes. issues calling offense. So I think it's important to to point out, you know, maybe it, was it somewhat, was there some of Russell Wilson issues there last year? Yeah, but I think it's also important to point out, look at what's good. This Jets offense is I mean, it's it's an embarrassment, and and that's Aaron Rodgers' fault, you know, and that's why Nate Hackett ended up in Denver because they thought they were going to trade for Rodgers. That's why Nate Hackett ended up in New York because Aaron Rodgers wanted him, and he's not a good play caller, and it's affected both of those teams. So I'm not all that. I'll be honest, Chris. I'm not that surprised that Russell Wilson's bounced back. He's a good quarterback. He's a really good yeah. quarterback. So to think that his career was over, I thought was just a little crazy. Money. The other layer to this is the Joe Lombardi layer who spent the last two years uh, with the Chargers, obviously knows the the personnel of the offense. Uh, most of it is the same. And, you know, obviously is uh, probably aligned with Peyton in, in those meetings about what he has seen from Herbert and the offense and the defense. He's been in that building for the last two years. Yeah. Uh, how much do you think that will impact the game? Because the Chargers also know Joe Lombardi. Yeah, I don't think it impacts it at all, really. I think there's, you know, a familiarity, but I think when Kellen came in, he had said this, that offense is so similar. So many teams share concepts and plays, and you can watch film and know exactly what most people are doing. Now, I think what you're talking to, and, and I, so I shouldn't say it's not going to impact, you're talking tendencies. When, yeah. when plays break down, this is where he he likes to. But I think most people, again, can see that you know they watch the film and and they can they can assess that themselves. Peyton, Peyton I said was like Joe. I thought pressure. he said he said what? you know what the, the film is the film right you know because right. they asked him about Joe Lombardi and he said exactly what you said. Yeah, so that's and I and you know 
I, I'm not trying to steal it from them and pretend like I didn't hear that. I didn't, but, um, I, I, to me, it's, to me, it's execution, protecting the football. The offense is the offense. It's 12 weeks in for both these teams. They are what they are. There's for me, it's the getting over the drops, figuring out why they're dropping so many footballs when they didn't, when they led the league in fewest drops, the first nine weeks of the season to the last three now leading the league in drops. You go from one to 32. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty drastic difference there. What's going on? And if you can't catch the ball, let's get you off the field. And let's get someone who can. Because Justin's busting his tail back there. He's holding on to the ball. He's willing to take the hits. He's avoiding the sacks. He's making great decisions. And he's not getting paid off on it. So you got to do that. And don't let Court and Sutton beat you. And don't let Pat Sertan and, and that, that turnover happy Justin Simmons, don't let those guys take the ball away. And this should be a really tight game. Should be a really uh, tight, not even, you know, I'm not breaking news. Chargers don't play blowouts, you know? So it's not what they do. It's going to look, not what they it's do. Gonna, I just, will it be high scoring or low scoring? I don't know. It's going to be a, it's going to be a one score game though. That's, that's for certain. I've, uh, I've told myself, you know, we're not talking playoffs anymore. This five-day stretch, though, when you play two AFC opponents, you just beat an AFC opponent. That's big, right? It doesn't matter if it's 6 nothing or, you know, 35 to nothing. You beat an AFC opponent in the New England Patriots. But coming up Sunday versus Denver, it's your place. Then you got to turn around and play the Raiders on Thursday night. Short week. This five-day stretch of football money will tell us, uh, a ton about this football team, um, where they're going this year, and uh, kind of what what's in store for next year. I mean, it, the two division opponents, you've already beaten the Raiders. It's an opportunity to get to, gosh, what do they have? They have one, two. So they have four AFC West games <laughs> to close the they, season. Yeah, their, their entire schedule is AFC. It's, yeah. it's Broncos twice, Raiders, Chiefs, and then the Buffalo game on Saturday night. On on peak, it's it's just the playoffs, Chris. That's what it is. Yeah, you yeah. you knock off the Broncos twice, and you get the sweep there. So now you've got the tiebreaker. You knock off the Raiders twice. You get the sweep. Essentially, you put them out of the playoffs. You give the Raiders, let's say they beat Minnesota this week, you give them their eighth loss. They're out because you've swept them, and you now have that advantage over them. You beat the Bills. So let's just say, let's say the Chargers, if if. And this goes back to what we talked about last week when thing, when they had lost their third game in a row. And it's like, what do we, you know, what do we have to look forward to? And it's like, well, it lays out, it, it lays out for them where they can, they can stay concerned and focused on themselves. They do not have to watch the rest of the league. All they have to do is win. That's it's that simple. They will not need help from anyone else because if the bills show up here in week 16, at eight and six, the Chargers will show up at seven and seven. And if they win that game, they'll be eight and seven, just like the Bills with the tiebreaker. And now you will jump them. So it's all, and by the way, the Bills are going to play at Kansas City and they will play Dallas. Those are their two games going into the Charger game. So, and I'm, I'm giving them wins in both of those. Like that, even if they get the wins, the Chargers, as long as they win, will still have an opportunity to knock them out. The next week, sweep the Broncos, knock them out. The next week, think about 
best case, and this is now powder blue glasses, pie in the sky. They do something that we haven't seen them do all the, year. We should have this part of the podcast sponsored. The powder blue yeah, glasses. Exactly. <laughs> this is, but like, imagine if they can figure this out. And they did last year. And that's why I, I don't feel stupid like a homer saying it. But they were six and six. And we were talking about what a mess. Lost in Vegas. This is a mess. The team had so, and then they ripped off four straight. And week 18 could have been five straight, but they played weird. Some guys played, some guys didn't. Some guys played a half, some guys didn't. And they, you know, so just throw that one out. Yeah. So if they win four straight again, if they, you know, it'll end up being five straight. But if they win their next four, think about week 18. Think about week 18. Kansas City at SoFi. Maybe the Chiefs are playing for the number one seed and the Chargers are playing to punch their ticket into the playoffs. And if the Chiefs win, they get the one seed and the Chargers get knocked out of the postseason. And if the Chargers win, the Chiefs don't get the one seed and the two teams will face each other the next week in the first round of the wild card. For the for just, the third yeah. time, and like you that's just set up the football night in America promo for week eighteen. That's how it could. That's if they can take care of this, if they can play inspired football, that's what we could be headed towards. If the football gods smile upon us, which they rarely do, but if for some reason in twenty twenty three they decide to, that's how we could start twenty twenty four with a winner. You know, essentially not winner take all, but one seed versus just getting into the playoffs and then being able to take the team on that you just knocked off the following week to try to knock them out of the postseason after knocking them out of the one seed and a bye, the defending Super Bowl champs. Like that's what this is is set up for them to be able to accomplish if they can take care of their football business on the field. And it would be even more impressive than last year because during that winning streak, you beat Nick Foles, you beat Malik yeah. Willits and Ryan Tannehill. You beat Baker Mayfield as a Ram who was there for like a few right. weeks. Uh, this this version, you'd have to beat Russell Wilson twice, one on the road. You'd have to beat Josh Allen at your place. You'd have right. to beat Patrick Mahomes week 18. Exactly. With uh, exactly. Aiden O'Connell sprinkled in on a Thursday night. So, I mean, right. that would be a heck of a way to close the year. Yes. And, not, and, and you said it. You're asking to do it beyond the quarterbacks, division opponents. Yeah. You, you've exactly. got to beat four – division you've got to win four division games not not easy the odds are not look I'm not kidding anybody the odds are not in their favor they split with the Broncos almost every year they've been splitting with the Raiders almost every year lately the Chiefs have had their number year in and year out since Patrick Mahomes became the quarterback I think they have three wins against him and one of those was a was a Chiefs arresting everybody last week of the year so I understand but at the same time, I also understand this. The Broncos were one in five. The Raiders have already fired their head coach and their offensive coordinator and are playing a fourth round rookie quarterback. The, the Chiefs have not looked good offensively. Look at the Chiefs last. Here's the Chiefs last five, last five games. They have scored nine, 21, 17, they hung 31 on the Raiders after falling behind 14 nothing. Yep. And 19. The offense is not right. The offense is not right. 
Patrick Mahomes is looking for that receiver. He seems like Rasheed Rice might be it, but he's still searching. The defense has been a little bit leaky. It's gotten a lot more leaky than it had been. So they can be had. They, they, you know, it's it's a little bit of a different sort of setup, I think. You know, it's it's important to keep it all in context, the, the good and the bad. You know, the bad, you split with them, and the Chiefs have had your number. The good, teams don't look that great. Broncos are one in five. They just lost to a Texans team that had the number two pick in the draft last year. You know, so. I won't apologize for this portion of the podcast, by the way, because if, you, if you're a Chargers fan, you're, you're listening and watching Chargers weekly because you want the Chargers to do well. Right. As long as they're in the mix, I'm just telling you what lay they out do. some positive vibes, right? Like, yes. hey, man, I, I grew up in the, the, the D.C. area and the, the Washington now commanders, right? I, every, every December. Because they were always nine and seven, eight and eight, ten and six, always or worse. Right. So when they were in contention, December was fantastic because I would do the scenarios. I would say if they lose here, that's okay because if they win the next three and this team loses, you got a shot. Now you don't want to be in that situation more times than not, but no. this is where we are. They're still in contention, and until they're not, we can lay out some scenarios, give some people some hope. Yeah. No? And I, look, I'll, I'll I'll finish on this. The point that I'm that I'm making is we thought, like always, that the AFC was going to be this buzzsaw, and you had better be able to keep up, and it's anything but. Every team has been sucked back to earth and has issues. Pittsburgh is starting tonight as we record this podcast. We got a a, a Mitch Trubisky against a Bill Belichick defense, seven and five Steelers team. Yep. The Cleveland Browns just played Joe Flacco, who looked old and slow and got blown off the field by the Rams eventually in the second half. The Colts, like the teams that you need to be worried about are the Colts and the Texans. And thankfully, they all play each other. The Jags, who now have no Trevor Lawrence, the Colts, and the Texans are going to close the season by playing each other in this round robin for the AFC South. Like, there is, is no Jake Joe Brown, Burrow. Is Jake Brown and Kurt Warner? We don't know. That's we'll what find I mean. Out. <laughs> like, the Bills are 6-6. Six and six. So, the, the, the only point I'm making is you don't, you don't have to have heartbreak because – you were five and you were four and seven, and you went on that three-game losing streak because you lost to Tennessee in week two. They can, they all they have to focus on the Chargers is this week, and if they win this week, all they have to focus on is next week. They don't need any help. They can punch their ticket into the postseason on their own by winning out, even though they were four and seven. They can still get into the postseason on their own volition without other teams falling out. All they have to do is win. And I think that's that's got to be a much more comfortable position for Brandon Staley and his staff to be in. Guys, don't worry about anything. The playoffs are still there. That's it's, it's still a very real that that is still a very real outcome of this season. You just got to win. We just had to get to ten wins in a different way. That's all. So let's go get there. Let's go do it Sunday. Chargers Broncos in a quick turnaround. I imagine we're going to have to tape Chargers weekly early next week, maybe on ah. Tuesday, right? Well, I would guess we'll leave probably a little bit later on Wednesday just because yeah. it's a Thursday night game. So I can't anticipate that we're going to be leaving before noon. My guess is we can bang this thing out on Wednesday morning. Okay. And yeah. and maybe we'll and have a better idea right. of the injury report. We want to get you guys. Shoot, uh, Chris, we can do it on Thursday. 
We can do it from the we hotel could. room on Thursday. I want as many know? people listening to this thing as possible, though. So if, That's know, true. Nice so let's go Wednesday. Morning. Yeah, we'll do Wednesday morning. We're, we'll we're, do we're Wednesday. Get them ready. Live on the pod. Get you ready. And, and hopefully it's, it's coming off a, a, a big win against the Broncos. And better this be. Game, you know, gets you to 7-7 if you beat the Raiders. But, yeah, it better um, be. I think we laid it out nice, man. Anything else? All good. All good, man. All right. Uh, enjoy the game, guys. Uh, say hi if uh, we see you at SoFi. For money, I'm Chris. We'll see you next week.